Welcome back to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. We are here, episode 16, and we're going to be looking at music, the science of music and the brain. What goes on in the brain when we listen to music, play music, all of that jazz, pun intended. Uh, (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah. I'm Kate and I'm witty. Uh, (laughs) I'm also a neuroscientist. Um, (laughs) That's what I do. I study study the brain. Addiction specifically, but you know, that's that's my kind of area of enthusiasm. And I'm joined today, as always, by my lovely co-host Matt. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm not a scientist, but I am very enthusiastic about science, and I love just riding off the knowledge that my lovely sibling is able to. You're present. the science hype man. <laughs> I like that. I like You're the that show as an science hype man. I like that yeah. as an official title for me. But also on the go. show today, we have our first non-scientist guests, but I would say yes. making him a little bit more of an expert on our particular topic, we've got our old friend, James. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, guys. How are you going? That's all oh, good. Oh, we're so hyped for this. This is I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to have... Yeah, because well, we should we should mention our guest, you know, he's not a scientist like our normal guest is a scientist, but he is a musician. James, tell us a little bit about, you know, that vibe, that part of your life. About Who are you? What do you do? Oh, so what's the um, meaning of life? <laughs> oh, what is ESP velocity of an unladen swallow? You know, Please. the important question. I just want to speak, man. All right, so <laughs> I'm James. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm a musician. I've been writing songs since I was about 14 years old. Um, and just in the last year or so, I've started recording and producing my own music under the name Cat's Eye Parish. Um, and I'm also a paramedic, and I live in Wagga with my girlfriend and I'm a very Wagga. lucky young man. Yeah, old Wagga. Oh, old uh, hometown. We've all lived in Wagga. Old hometown. Uh, yeah, I've just learned that Matt was born here. Yeah. Matt was born in Wagga. <laughs> I yeah. have uh, yeah. no memories of the town whatsoever, but it is technically my hometown. <laughs> I so, have you know, vague I gotta memories. Bless mm. up, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to preschool there and when I was like, we left, I think when I was like three, but mm. I, you know, I have vague memories of my third birthday party, which was a fairy birthday party if anyone's oh, wow. interested. Wow, good um, times, in, in Wagga. Yeah, none no, of that is important today. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What's important <laughs> is is the music, and you know, definitely, guys, if you haven't, I mean, the the links will be in the description. But Cat's Eye Parish, look up, look up some of James's stuff on oh, Spotify, etc. Oh. It's so good. Oh, it's so no, good. No. I've been like jamming out to the EP for like the last day. It's like, oh, it's, you know, stop it, you. That's so kind. <laughs> Thank you very much. But, but, Thank you again for having me on the show, guys. I feel very honoured to be the non, the first non-scientist. Uh, music expert would probably be a leap too far, but I, I like it. <laughs> so here we are. Experienced in, in, in both listening and playing music, which is, which yeah. is kind of important. The important, <laughs> cool. you know, the important vibe for today. So, all right, let's, let's launch into it. Music and the brain. I wanted to start with, like, listening to music, right? That's kind of the most fundamental level here. And and we've got some really interesting scientific insight into what happens in the brain when people listen to music, thanks to this this really cool thing called fMRI, which is, you know, if you know what MRI is, it, it shows, you know, activation in the brain and fMRI is functional MRI. So it's, you can put someone in this like fMRI machine, play them a song, they can listen to the music and you can see over time, like the changes in the different 
areas of the brain and activity in the brain. And it actually, it just measures blood flow to different parts of the brain. And we we say that, you know, areas that get more blood flow are the areas that are more active. Like it's kind of a proxy for neuronal activation, but it it, like, it does a pretty good job. It's a pretty representative measure. And it means we can do it in like live live human people um, and play them different things and, and actually have a look. And so what's really cool about, you know, listen, what happens in the brain when people listen to music is like, okay, so like, what would you expect when you're playing someone music? You're going to have activation in the auditory cortex, right? Like that, mm. that makes sense because, you mm-hmm. know, music is a, is a sound. Um, but what's really cool about music is that like, it doesn't just activate the auditory cortex. It actually just like, the whole brain, like one of one of the things that I read explained it is like fireworks in the brain, like over the whole brain, like the whole brain just goes nuts oh, wow. Man. Um, when it listens to music. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because music makes you feel things. Music makes you think things. Music is more mm. than just hearing well, sound. Well, exactly, exactly. Mm. So, you know, you've got the emotional component of music, which there's some really, really interesting um, studies looking at why music can make you feel different things, right? Um, and and the kind of leading hypothesis is really interesting is that it, it works by a similar mechanism to empathy. So essentially you're like imagining the musician feeling the emotion or like portraying the emotion that they're portraying through the song. You're imagining them feeling that emotion and then via like empathy, you feel sad when, when you listen to sad music. Cause you're like, well, the artist is sad or you feel happy when you listen to really like happy music. Okay. Cause you're like, ah, the artist is, you know, the artist is happy, but what we're not really sure, is there something intrinsic about, so, you know, slower kind of, I don't know, James, you're sitting there with your guitar. Let's, let's make use of that. <laughs> I, I have I'm going to put you here. on the spot here. Oh, I know. Okay. Here um, okay. If I was to say to you, do you want to just like play a little, play a little tune that you would say is like, I don't know, like a sad kind of, sad kind of ditty. Something sad we did. Or just, yeah, yeah. Sad you little know. ditty about Jack and Diane. They broke <laughs> up and fell apart and moved to different lands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need to sing at this point. This is just purely uh, I mean, it's up to you. You can hum along if you, if you think it'll help the vibe. But just like, you know, in your soul, what feels like it would be kind of a sad thing. Okay. Can you hear my guitar at the moment? Yeah. I'm sorry, but I can't feel this tonight Cause all I'm feeling is your body And it's rubbing up against mine And my soul's revealing That there's nothing where there used to be something bright But all you're hearing is I'm sorry, but I can't feel this tonight Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm like literally getting the. That's another thing that I'll talk about in a sec. It, uh, but like the chills that you get when you listen to certain mm. music, and there's there's a lot of so not everyone gets those. By the way, that I don't know. Do you guys get that when you listen to certain music and you? Get, oh, like, I get the, that a lot. Yeah, I get chills. It's yeah. rare for me to get it, but I do get mm. it. If like a song yeah. really mm. gets to me, that's that's when I get it. But that's yeah. just most yeah, things well, usually shut off to most emotion. It takes a lot to get through. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> interestingly, the people, they found like people that get those chills versus people that don't 
tend to have like a better better connectivity between like the emotion processing parts of the brain and then like the auditory cortex. So Ooh. they're more able to make those like really tangible links between what they're hearing and what they're then able to feel or what emotional component they get out of the music they're listening to. Mm. But like, okay, I would agree that that was kind of what you played was, was this kind of sad. It definitely wasn't cheerful. Yeah, um, it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful, but it wasn't, it wasn't cheerful. But like, is that, you know, the fact that we shared, I don't know, Matt, do you also agree? Or did you feel like that was oh. cheerful? Or? Oh, fuck no. No, I gave, gave okay, me good. like <laughs> flashbacks to breakups of Christmas past and now I'm sad. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 yeah. That, yeah. I was going to ask before because you mentioned that uh, with the empathy, it makes you kind of feel or imagine what the artist is feeling where I feel like for a lot of people it would be more, they'd relate it directly to their own life experience, you know? Is, it, is there a balance of those two things? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So the yeah. way it seems to, and like, this is this is a highly still. I want to caveat this with like highly debated sort of area in the literature because things with music and and how people experience music. There's just so many components that it's really hard to control for every single element. Like you can't, like I do with my with my rats and and alcohol. Like rats get addicted, and we can control for that. Rats. Mm. You can't do music studies in in animal models, right? So you kind of mm. have to use people that have this very complicated relationship to the world, you know, and different songs have different memories attached to them. And you, you can't control for all of this. So everything's still a little bit debated. But one of the studies that I looked at in terms of how people and, and why people feel, you know, if, if listening to a happy song makes you happy, why why don't sad people just go and listen to happy music to change their emotion? Like, why do sad people sometimes prefer to listen to sad music? And it's because, yeah, sim- like they do relate what's happening in, you know, the artist in the song to their own lives and it makes them feel less alone. Because mm. often when we're, when we're sad or when we're depressed, we feel very misunderstood. We feel like, you know, mm. nobody knows how I feel right now and that's why I feel like shit. Um, yeah. And then you listen to a song that like, you're like, holy shit, that hit me right in the, f- I relate to that. Like that artist knows exactly what's going on in my yeah. head and articulated it far better than I ever could. Like, I don't know, you guys both write music, so maybe you can articulate things well, but personally- See citation for yeah, well, simple plans, <laughs> welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. You have to feel like breaking down. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean- <laughs> Mood though, and well, that's the thing. Let's think about the sort of stuff that you vibed with when you were like an angsty teenager, oh compared God, to the stuff yeah. you vibe with now as an emotionally <laughs> mature adult, and it's very oh different. Um, yeah. And that's because you know what we appreciate in music is yes, how much we can apply it to our own lives, but it's still because we we perceive the artist as as having that emotion, but it's how therefore how well we relate to the artist. If mm, that makes can, it, it can be on it can be uncanny, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah un- exactly. How close, but. You, uh, it's funny that you study addiction because I feel like that can be very addictive. I think there's a Gautier lyric where he's like, "You can get music is my drug, cer- man." Yeah, mm. you can you can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness. You know, yeah. if you find this well mm. that you can just get into, then mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. comforting and pleasant. But it also becomes part of your identity. Oh, hundred <laughs> you know? like, percent. Mm. I definitely it, got that a fair to, bit yeah. in um like mm. high school when I was really like getting into a lot of more heavy deathcore, metalcore, <laughs> punk kind of kind yeah. of stuff. And you know, definitely yeah. not attributing this to the genre itself. The genre is separate of this 
this. It's entirely how I used the genre in my own like depression and that sort of thing. I would definitely, Mm. I have memories of nights where I would like put myself in these absolute wells of like, I'm really sad. I'm going to fucking power down this rabbit hole. Let's see how deep it goes. Let's Mm -hmm. listen to the saddest, most brutal stuff and just let it kind of cathard my soul, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just overwhelm you. It's, mm. There's power to it. I love that about music. Sorry, this well, is almost getting philosophical. For <laughs> yeah. No, 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 it's great. And that's, well, that's the thing. Music is very philosophical and, and neuroscience is very philosophical. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the time we get so caught up, I say we, neuroscientists get so caught up in kind of, you know, looking at the the actual physical stuff that's happening but ultimately we're all just trying to figure out you know we're looking at the brain because we want to understand how we perceive the world how we relate to the world how we think how we're we just feel. trying to and figure out ourselves like, man well it is yeah and music <laughs> is a great tool to do that but i want to i want to just like kind of rein it back into why i got james play a sad song and mm, how we please. all agreed that that was what we would consider sad do you think that that's something about the kind of the slow, the chill, you know, is it something innate within the music triggering certain things in our brain or is it a learned association? Cause we all grew up in, you know, Western society watching the same sort of movies with the mm. same sort of sad soundtracks on the sad scenes. Cause you know, and Matt, I know you've definitely done some looking at composing of music for yeah. movies and ga- video games and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, theoretical, this is what makes sad music. This Mm. is what we play in the sad moments. This is what we play in the happy moments, you know? So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Do you think there is like a universality to how people perceive music or do you think it's more just like we've learnt to perceive certain sounds in certain ways? It's a very, I will give you the studies after I hear your views, by the way. There is, there is an answer. <laughs> there is an answer. And you make there is a correct answer. No, not a correct answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, there what, are some studies that are interesting. I've got to know. You know. i got to know how much uh, I can flunk this while still passing. No, yeah. you, can, you can flunk this. This is just a hurdle requirement. Pass, fail. Oh, good. Yeah, sweet. Um, I think it's, it's a very nature versus nurture kind of question, isn't it? It's like you've yeah, heard what's yeah. been told to you as sad sounds your whole life or you've seen... Uh, sad movies or music videos or whatever and then do you yeah do you just start to associate it I think I don't think so I think inherently somewhere deep down there's something that you recognize um, Mm -hmm. joy or happiness or peace or whatever it is as opposed to um, sadness desperation Mm -hmm. a certain melancholy I don't know it can't can't all be Mm. nurture Mm. surely it can't all be conditioning I feel like some (laughs) of the conditioning might come into it but I think even if it is like we've learned that this music is meant to make us feel less sad because we've only ever heard this music over sad scenes in movies I feel like maybe you Mm. got a little bit of a chicken egg thing of which came first like Mm. the first person to Mm. ever compose that type of music for that scene must have pulled the idea of what sounds to create from somewhere I feel if you just trace Mm back far enough it will initially come from hey i feel sad when i play this so i'm gonna put it over the sad scene and then yeah. later on that's just kind of reinforced our you know natural instinct of of what kind of emotions that music elicits and we have yeah. everyone in society and media being like yes i am also sad haha mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I'm well gonna this guy. yeah so like you're both kind of right it's a bit of a trick question <laughs> in the <laughs> sense that it's a bit of both and it's and it's it's very complicated. So there, there have been studies that have seen, you know, you play different music to like babies that you know haven't had that 
you know, chance to grow up and, and associate different things. And they have sort of similar reactions to different types of music. But what was really interesting, okay, I'm going to tell you about this one particular study that I think was really quite telling, is they they, they looked at a um, a group of people, some Pygmies that lived in the Congo rainforest. Now, this, this group of people, they have no electricity, therefore no access to, like, electronic media and mm. and therefore totally unfamiliar with Western music and, you know, the sort of things that we associate with music. And we played them a bunch of different songs and then they compared it, I think it was with Canadian. They got a, a control group of Canadian people to, to listen to the music and to essentially rank different songs in terms of like positive, negative emotions. So valence, is this like a happy song versus a sad song, positive, negative. Mm. And then also in I terms of like, arousing like is this like an energetic song or is this like a slowing down sort of song mm -hmm. and they found that in terms of like positive or negative is this a positive song or a negative song the 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 people from the the rainforest that didn't know western music that they, they there was no correlation they were unable completely unable huh. to make the judgment calls of whether this wow. music was positive really? or negative I however thought, I thought that was going the exact yeah, yeah. Same. <laughs> no, no, no. however with the arousing how arousing music is and I, like i don't mean sexually arousing get oh. your minds out of the gutters marvin gaye's barry white um, kinda, yeah okay yeah no i mean like you know energetic kind of like stuff that'll pump you up you'll do some mm -hmm. smash out some weight sessions too whatever mm -hmm. um there was a huge correlation so these people they were able there was a something innate about the music that made people say this is arousing versus not arousing. Like mm. this is energetic versus not, which makes sense, right? The stuff that was higher pitched, that was faster tempo, mm. you know, that mm. sort of stuff. That was seen as arousing um, across, you know, all people. But in terms mm -hmm. of positive, negative, because like if you think about it, right, you can be slow and chill and still just like happy. You can just be vibing in mm. like a really content, happy way. Mm. And you could be, you know, kind of upbeat what some people might see as like happy or excited someone else could see as like anxious or panicked or yeah you know there's it's the sort of music that we've learnt to associate because so so it is associated. i feel like that yeah so that you could probably really i feel like you could get that from the flipped perspective as well if you think of us as westerners listening to music from other mm. cultures that are completely mm. different mm -hmm. from what we're used to if you look at I don't know, quite a lot of traditional Indian music and stuff. And they use a lot of microtonality rather than just, you know, the regular, you know, 12 yeah. keys on a piano scale and stuff like that. Or you can hear old mm. kind of like tribal stuff that's come out of Africa. I know a lot of our contemporary music kind of spawns from that originally. But when you hear some of these um, pieces, you can like, you can tell whether or not it's a piece meant for like, is this a battle song? Is this a dance song? Is this a... Is this a song to just like fucking vibe to around a campfire, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> even if you have never heard music like that before. Um, and I thought you'd be able to hear like the positive and negative associations, mm. but when I'm trying to think of that style of music I've listened to, none of them have made me feel explicitly happy or sad either way. Just yeah. kind of mm. like, oh yeah, let's go fucking, I don't know, I crusade some Turks or... You and know. I guess like we do get a, like a limited exposure to other cultured music. Like I don't exclusively listen to Western music. Like my, the majority of music I listen to is from bloody Broadway musicals. So I have a, I have a very like nice. specific set of music that I generally vibe to. But that doesn't mean I haven't had experience and therefore had a chance to learn how other cultures might 
perceive different sounds, whereas in these studies they, they picked populations that were very isolated. I've got another example that's like even, even cooler, I think, because it breaks it down to an even more sort of fundamental level where they looked at, in, in once again, our Western idea of music, we have this concept that some harmonies sound good and some sound bad, right? So this idea of consonance and dissonance. Now, I'm not a musician, so I'm going to throw to one of our musicians if you want to explain, you know, what a, what a consonant chord versus like a dissonant chord is. I don't know, James, oh, no. you want to give it a go? <laughs> free. I'm going to be honest, man. You put those terms in the chat before I had to Google them. So I'm really well, the, you know, if you don't really know otherwise, Matt, to. I can throw it, throw it to, I can throw it to well, Matt. I mean, con- um, di- di- or I can give it a go. I know what but, dissonance is, but I, I haven't uh-huh. heard the word consonance before. I may have, I just forgot, but it's I just assume the opposite. it's the opposite of it's dissonance. It's just the opposite. But dissonance yeah. being notes that like clash and then consonance mm. being what notes that vibe. So, you know, yeah, like a major that's like, third that's versus literally a minor it, second. Though. Yeah. Things um, that we generally consider consonant, um, uh, things it's all to do with because the different the pitch so the note you know everything in music every note has you know a frequency because you know sound is just waves we all know that sound waves well, and so like for for yeah for example <laughs> like the a above middle c that's 440 hertz like that's just the frequency of that note and what's really cool is like one octave above that so the a like two A's above middle C mm. is 880 hertz. And that's how different notes relate to each oh. other. It's all just like ratios. And so a consonant, so like what we see is like a normal mm. chord that we we think sounds good. The the ratio between the frequencies mm. is is a nice mathematical happy ratio. Whereas dissonance, yeah. it's normally like a, a pretty, like a, a bad ratio. So Close I don't know. Ratio. James, you got your guitar. Play us a chord, any chord, just a, a nice, chord. I'm going to use the word consonant chord, but. I'll try, try a bit of this. Oh, look at that. And yeah, now can, can it, you play? But... Oh God. Hang on, play it again. <laughs> that's a major of some yeah. kind. I don't have perfect oh, pitch. Well, I couldn't tell you I, which. No, not okay. do I. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a G, one of oh. the happiest of chords. I oh, G. Yes. I was right. actually oh. going to guess G, but then I was okay. scared of being wrong. Um, oh, mate, jump in. I could yeah. have had a moment of sounding no. like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, not because I actually <laughs> knew. That's just, I just, you know. Yeah. But, okay, so now can you can you play what, what could be considered like a dissonant sound? Just like a, you know. Um, uh, just like a minor second. <laughs> just play some notes that shouldn't Ooh. go together. What, what about, that, that almost sound, I don't know how to do this badly. Hold on. Yeah, that's, oh that's no, I don't nice. know how to play guitar badly. I'm <laughs> so, just sorry, guys. Good. Going back, going back to the drawing board here. No, is this? That oh yeah, that, that's, Ooh, that's that one. Crunchy. That one. That's a crunchy that's chord. chord. I like that. Ooh. Yeah. No. Problem is, you can't um, tell. A, a, I've I've got a bit of a background in jazz, so all of the dissonant chords just sound. <laughs> they don't sound crunchy to me. They just sound kind of spicy. It's kind of like, oh yeah, add some flavor to that. <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, and it, okay. So this is where it's interesting, Matt. And and so there was this study where they they looked at. It was this time. It was an Amazonian tribe, and it was a tribe of of people that once again very isolated. They had no access to Western music. But what was particularly interesting about this tribe is their music, their kind of local kind of cultural music was completely based around solo performance. Like harmonies mm. did not exist in their in their wow. idea of music. It was all Monophonic, just Monophonic, if you will. Yeah, wow. kind of the uh, this Ooh. idea of like, you know, 
people singing together or playing together or even just the one instrument, like the guitar playing multiple notes. Like that's just, that's not what they did in their culture. Mm. So what they did is they played a bunch of, you know, consonant chords. So chords, what, what we as Western people would consider positive sounding, nice, like, you know, Mm. Sound, sounding good, just good sounding, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and then okay. they played a bunch of dissonant <clears throat> ones, which we would often consider bad or like get that kind of cringy feeling, like when someone's just off key and you kind of get that like cringe response. Haha, <laughs> major court, that's the, pretty cringe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing that people from America were, were very good at being like, okay, consonants, that sounds good, dissonance, ugh, no thank you, miss me with that shit. But then the people from this Amazonian tribe, they could hear the difference between the consonants and dissonance, so they could they grouped them accurately. But mm. they had no preference for either one. They thought they mm. all sounded equally nice, which is why it was oh. interesting, Matt, you being like having, I have a background in jazz, and so that to me wasn't necessarily bad. It was just interesting. Mm. And that just shows that like this thing, like, you know, us being like, oh, that chord is correct, it sounds good, mm. versus, oh, that chord, that shouldn't be a chord, don't do that. Like that is learnt. That is mm. all just like learn and we're just exposed to it regularly and therefore it's what we come to expect when we hear music and therefore our brain goes you know oh this is nice this is this is comfortable this is how music should sound to me in a way is there is there a stage i guess um where that is more prominent when you're more open to different things and you're like oh yeah i could get around that i guess it's a neuroplasticity kind of question where like at what age do you decide yep these are the chords I like or these are the progressions I like and anything out of that, not too good. Yeah, I don't know. That would be, I don't think there have been any longitudinal studies looking at like those exact elements because, mm. you know, there there is a lack in in these kinds of studies. And like I said, it's because it's very hard to control for oh, all yeah. the different things that could come into play in <laughs> shaping. And it's not really ethical to grab a group of children and be like, all right, I'm going to dictate how you grow up and not let you be exposed to these mm. potentially enjoyable things because I want to see how it changes your perception of music. It's not really ethical. We can't really do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which is sad because these are really interesting questions, right? Wait, but it's stuff which to is think sad. about. It's sad that we can't have that knowledge. Uh, it's not sad that we can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to yeah. change topic before you guys <laughs> roast me too hard. Um, and I want like... I want to go back to, okay, so so yeah. we know when we listen to music, the brain does, like, all of the brain is active. We pretty much established that. Yeah. But what about musicians listening to music? Is that different to to non-musicians listening to music? Hey, man, know, musicians are just like everyone else. We're normal people too, okay? <laughs> We're people too, man. I we swear, have rights, bro. Okay? <laughs> just um, like this scientists. Is true. <laughs> okay, but what's really cool, what's really, really, really cool is they've found... Okay, I'm going to hit you with this this one particular study that, like, I thought was just incredibly cool. Machine learning was able to accurately, very, very accurately um, decide, decide, like, what's the word? Oh, my gosh. Calculate. I'm having a mental blank. Um, determine. Just, like, determine. We'll go with that Ooh. one. Machine learning was really accurately able to determine whether the brain of someone was was a musician's brain or a non-musician's brain just oh, by wow. looking at fMRI of someone listening to music. Ooh, so they got a bunch of people, people classically trained, formally trained in music, you know, who were working as professional musicians and people who were not musicians, had not ever played an instrument in their life. Mm. Took fMRIs wow. of them listening to the same music 
And at this, like, it wasn't songs that the musicians knew how to play. So it wasn't like a confounding factor of like, oh, the musician knows how to play this or recognizes this song. It was just like listening to music. And the reaction between the brains was so different that like artificial intelligence could be like, yep, musician, not, not musician. Yep, musician. Because, yeah. hmm, We're on a different level. Was it like, (laughs) (laughs) was it like the space that was being taken up, like the different parts of the brain or was it just the intensity of the signals? It was a bit of both. So there was mostly overlap in, in the areas. There were, there was a few different kind of additional um, areas that were lighting up, but, but the biggest difference was the overall level of activity. The musicians Mm were far, far more engaged with what they were listening to. So the part of your brain are associated with attention, first of all. That was like the musicians were paying far more attention, which which kind of makes sense because you kind of know what you're you're listening for. Like, like Matt, I know you like to listen to songs and be like, oh, this is in this time signature and like yeah. pick the different mm. time signatures of different parts of the songs. Whereas like I don't do that. I just I listen and I vibe to mm. the beat. And like I've had some music training and I imagine people who haven't I know, James, when you listen to music, what do you, like, what goes through your head when you're listening to a song that you haven't heard before? Um, Well, sometimes I find it very hard to redirect my attention. Like if I'm having a conversation with someone or trying to be like social and there's a song in the background that's just speaking to me, I most of my focus mm. is going to the song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to redirect um, my attention from that for sure. I mean, I've, in some, some music, I'm sure there's an aspect of me trying to either figure it out like the chords or the timing like you were saying with Matt or mm-hmm. um, even just like the process the musician would have gone through like now that I've actually started recording now I, I know what it looks like to be in a studio or to set up your mm. microphone or wh- whatever it is like you kind of think how did how do they do this so there's that aspect but I don't think that explains the level <laughs> um, that you were talking about with mm. like the intensity of the signal yeah well mm. it, it does to an extent right and like you know I'm I'm similar in that when I'm, I need some sort of background noise when I'm like studying or like writing my thesis is what I'm currently doing at the moment. But like, if I have music that has a strong melody at all, I can't focus on what I'm doing. I just, Mm. I'm listening to that melody or lyrics are out of the question. If Mm. if there are lyrics in the song, I can't do anything else except listen to those lyrics. And I know a lot of people are really different and yeah, no, I'm the opposite from that. that. I, um, when I listen to music with lyrics, I honestly, it's very rare for me to ever actually listen to the lyrics of the song. I kind of perceive vocal lines and music as more of like a really Mm -hmm. complicated percussion instrument. And every word is just like a strange articulation of a, Mm. of like a, a drum or a melody line so like i it for me sometimes when i listen to songs it's like every song is like it's the same way you would listen to a song that's in another language where it's kind of like you don't know Mm. what they're saying but you're just kind of vibing that's how i kind of listen to most music (laughs) yeah that shows there's like distinction between musicians as well and like you know so much more in-depth study needs to happen here but like Mm. like another example i guess is you know say you're listening to a song and there's a key change like we would all go oh that was a key change. Like I recognize what just happened in the music. Mm. That was interesting. Mm. I enjoyed that. Like well-played musician, like cool little place to check <laughs> a sneaky key change. Whereas yeah. someone who doesn't know what that means, who doesn't even understand the concept of like different keys or whatever might like, they'll probably notice a change in the song. They might be like, <laughs> Oh, it weird. just kind of maybe <laughs> went up a level or it, you know, whatever other function yeah. key changes might serve, but they, they don't know what it is. So they're not paying as much attention. Whereas, you know, 
people who it like it makes sense and the more you understand something the more you're gonna be listening out to that because mm. like I'll talk about what happens in the brain when we're playing music and it's very similar to what happens in the brain when we're listening to music and it's really cool because like even musicians you know say a pianist who knows how to play a particular piano play piano piece you watch their brains as they listen to that piano piece and the part of their brain like their fingers playing that thing it like that lights up to an extent even though right. they're, they're just listening they're kind of you know it's similar how like in sports you know sports people there's been a lot of studies showing that like visualization and just like lying in bed visualizing the perfect basketball shot or the different you know is is just as beneficial well maybe not just as beneficial but is beneficial as a form of training because those mm-hmm. memory patterns and neural circuits that encode these motor patterns you know, you mm. can still activate those just by imagination, which music essentially does, helps facilitate yeah. that visualization, that imagination. Um, I was I, I was reading um, recently how important uh, focus and attention actually is for change in the brain, for development or rewiring, whatever it is, wherever mm. your focus is, that's one of the, the building blocks Mm. to make any change happen. So I don't, I don't know why some people would be more inclined to focus on music, but I guess it's it'd go towards any kind of creativity or any kind of pursuit, you know, whether it's sport, music, art. You know, if I go to mm. an art museum, I can appreciate beauty and I can appreciate complexity, but a lot of visual art doesn't hit me quite as much mm. as I've seen it yeah. with other people. And, you know, and then they feel the need to go and pursue that more because mm. uh, it's like you, they, they tap into that part of their brains where ev- everything's just firing, you know, and they're more inclined mm. to do that. I, I don't know why music was for me. Mm. Yeah, um, see, that brings up a very it. interesting question in terms of like, we know there are differences in both like levels of activation, but also like structural differences have been shown between the brains of musicians and non-musicians, but it's a very chicken and egg situation. Like we don't know mm. what came first, the chicken or the egg. We don't know whether taking a like a child, shoving them in a music program, making them do that regular, um, you know, disciplined practice or growing up in a very musical family. Like we, we all grew up in very musical families or like mm. musical situations. Like, you know, we went to musical schools where singing was a regular thing that we did yeah. as children, you know, was doing, you know, have growing up in a very musical environment and, and learning an instrument as a kid, does that make you therefore better at you know engaging with music versus other art or other things that you didn't engage with so much or is there something you know in your genetics like that that predisposes you to be you know more interested in music like is it gonna are you more likely to engage with it are you more likely to have that like natural talent or whatever like yeah. and and it, it you know I there are like arguments it's gonna for both be a sides. bit of both I've right? seen because yeah, like yeah, you know, I've, I've, just, I've grown up arguing. with um, I've grown up with just as many people who had the same musical background as any of us. You mm. know, did music mm. in high school, played an instrument in high school, have musical family members, and yet just mm. either have no interest in music, no skill in music, or just no desire to like do anything mm. music related. Their life mm. just took a different path. It didn't bite them the same way it bit us. Or maybe they like have a good interest in like listening to music, but not in playing it, or in playing mm-hmm. it and not. I don't think there's anyone who plays music that doesn't listen. Who to plays music, music that doesn't like listening to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would be an interesting subset. Please reach out, email us if that's I you. Hate, I want to talk to you. I um, hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> I only listen but, to my own songs. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, it's very much a, a, a chicken or egg. There's Pete, there's scientists that argue either side of the argument, mm. and like I, I tend to agree, Matt. Though, like I think it's probably, you know. 
bit of column A, bit of column B. Like it's it's this comp as with any human behavioral thing. Choice. It's just yeah. this complex Balance, interplay yeah. between environment, oh, you know, genetics, whatever. But yeah. but that aside, you know, whatever causes it, what we do know is that the brains of musicians are different. And it's not just in listening to music. It's just like in general overall life, we've found like musicians have like the biggest, the biggest, most common structural difference that's shown very, very regularly between musician brains and non-musician brains is in the corpus callosum, which is like the the bridge between your left and your right hemisphere, right? We have we have this structure mm. that that joins your left and your right. It's called your corpus callosum. And it kind of makes sense that it's well both like bigger and more active in musicians because like musicians' brains are like so interconnect like there's so many different elements to music so like when you're playing music like think about it what like what's going on there's there's the auditory cortex listening listening to the sounds especially like if you're if you're a vocalist and you kind of need to like hear whether you've hit the note or whether you need to or you're playing an instrument that requires like constant monitoring Mm -hmm. of of that sound then you've got like I mean, motor cortex. If you're like playing the mm-hmm. guitar, your little mm. fingers are doing the thing. Same with piano mm-hmm. or, or many instruments. There's there's a fine motor component. If you're there's singing a memory along, component. there'd be like motor component with that as well. And also, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's yep. a communication part of the brain that makes your words do the talky talk. Um. Well, yeah, the language language part. Yeah, that's of the, brain. the word. Um, that's language. Those, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and for so long, people Ironic. were like, "Oh, language is in the left part of the brain. Music is in the right." But like, that's the music is not just in the right. They showed mm. that like some elements of music, so like pitch and judging the pitch of a of a note, that's processed more in your right auditory cortex, whereas like rhythm is processed more in your like left auditory cortex. Oh, wow. And they argued that that's because rhythm's more important for language, whereas pitch is more important for music. But I don't think that's true. I think intonation, especially in some languages, mm. is very important. And rhythm is incredibly important in music. I would so- argue pro the uh, rhythm for language and melody for... Um, not because, you know, hip hop music is communication just through rhythm and like poetry and stuff and mm. doesn't integrate melody at all, you know? So like when you distill it down, when you take kind of like a melody lyrical line, you can distill that with no melody whatsoever and just have it be a purely rhythmic thing. And it would still be considered music though, right? Like you listen to yeah, some African yeah, drum true. music and you would you wouldn't you wouldn't hesitate to call that music. Like yeah, and no, it's just no, drums. Right. Yeah. Um mm. so but that's that's why it makes sense that the corpus callosum, right? The the bridge, the thing that kind of links it all together. Because music literally, it takes all of these elements and it and it links it, and you get this like overall integrated experience of like, well, first of all, experience of all the different components of the sound. But then also, like we mentioned before, you've got the emotional component. And like I said, you know, if if someone feels emotion through listening to music via empathy, that means someone playing music or recording music has to either be feeling that emotion or be very, mm. very good at seeming like they're feeling that emotion, yeah, right? You, you in can, order you can to tell, induce yeah. that empathy in in a listener. And the very yeah. best musicians aren't the ones that like robotically hit the notes perfectly. They're the ones that can like invoke that, mm. you know, Bring like Cat's Eye Parish uh, can, oh, can oh, make oh. you feel the feels because <laughs> it's right. true. Feel the feels. Oh. Well, but like you, you can, yeah, you can tell definitely when you feel like someone's faking it or they're not in it. And when you hear like somebody mm. scree- screech a note mm. or you feel the emotion, then that's when it hits you so much deeper. It's like a human exactly. connection, a- empathy. Like, you and I saying. think that's why yeah. a lot of people, especially those who are like um, quite 
into music and particularly more like indie genres and that sort of thing probably have a strong dislike for highly produced pop music and that sort of thing because it has mm. a little mm-hmm. bit of an uh, emotional disconnect than the singer songwriter mm. not to yeah. invalidate that style of music because personally i fucking no. love pop music i fucking love stuff mm. that's really yeah. highly produced just because it's you know engineered to to sound yeah. good but i can't mm. deny the fact that there is a complete emotional disconnect because it's written by 10 guys getting paid millions of dollars just to mm. like kind of program yeah. See, some notes. Whereas I'm a whore for the emotion. Like that's why mm. I fuck with music theater <laughs> so hard. It's it's because oh, that's it's yeah. the storytelling mm. and the emotion above everything else mm. in, in a lot of cases, I, not not in all I, musicals, but in the stuff that I like. Um, oh, I love musicals. I was I was listening to um, a few tracks off Jesus Christ Superstar the other day. Yes. Yeah, that's mm. that's, oh, that's, that's a musical, musical and a half. God, yeah, but, would I uh, yeah. take my left kidney to play Judas? Uh, <laughs> oh, are you joking? I would too. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. like with, with what you were saying, Matt, I feel like I, when you, when you tune into your local radio station and they're playing the charts, like I feel like intrinsically you know when something has been made from a formula or when something mm. has been made with an intention of publicity or money or uh, yeah. it's pure recognition or whatever it is like I, I, I don't know how like I, I'm, I'm sure I've gotten it wrong as well I've been like oh man that was like not, not a good tune like you know they're just doing it for the cash where it might have been really really emotional and vice versa I'm yeah. sure but mm. I feel like I feel like, I feel like you know. pop music <laughs> pop music and that type of thing is like the fast food of music you like you know what it is you know it's kind of <laughs> trash it's really highly produced it goes yeah. down this um what's a supply not supply chain um What's industrial chain? What's the word for that? For like a, a chain of people man. building oh, yeah. stuff. Um, the guy Henry <laughs> Ford invented it. Um, it's um, the what? Uh, it's a something chain. And, um, that's gonna that's gonna kill me. But the point. All is, I can think of is supply chain. Now. I know, but it's not supply <laughs> chain. Um, oh, I, it's like what they do with cars. I don't know to what um, you're referring. To. I'll work it out chain. later and I'll splice it in in the editing at this point when it's actually called. Please. It's assembly line. Assembly, assembly line. line. Yeah, that's that's mm. what. I, yeah, cool. We got, we got there. But that, beautiful. That, yes, it, exactly it, that. It's it's really crappy, but sometimes it hits the spot. Sometimes mm. all you want is a burger from McDonald's. Sometimes all you want is just some <laughs> greasy chips. Yeah. And like yeah, you may you not were, feel that healthy or fulfilled afterwards, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know. Very accessible. I mean, that's the thing. Different, yeah. different purposes. But it is, you know, different music. Not necessarily, in my opinion, you know, healthy to consume it as your be all and end all only source of music. Uh, uh, just mm, like it's but, not good to consume mm. macas as your only source of food. It's true, but oh, so it's many. Not? Pe- Damn. Yeah. <laughs> but Don't I think, feel I think shame that's why it'll always. Big Mac. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I'll fill it a fish here and there, nothing better. But like, um, <laughs> no, I'm more of a uh, McChicken kind of guy. But we Same. can probably take that out. <laughs> but anyway, um, I feel like that's why it always get produced though, because like like with Mac, is so many people want that little quick fix every now and then. That just mm. becomes a multi-billion-dollar industry. Same with music. As as long as there's de- there's mm. demand, there will be supply, and the supply will be the same. Yeah. Like always, it yeah. might have yeah. different lyrics or a different voice over the top, but they're just churning them out because it'll sell. <laughs> and that's there's yeah. nothing there's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that. What, whatever people want, that's cool. That's exactly. their own decision. But it, yeah. Yeah, like different different music serves different purposes, but but generally like. Playing music. Oh, and the other thing that playing music, I just like generally this is this is an important distinction. So like when you're like reading music, right? Obviously your visual cortex is gonna be lighting up as you're like reading music, and that's just another part of the brain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what about like 
improv, right? Improvising music. Mm. This is this is like what happens in the brain when people are just like like jazz musicians, like Matt, I know you do or have done a lot mm. of like musical improvisation. Musical improvisation is what we're talking about when I say improv here. Like I can do, you know, improv comedy. Theater improv. Um, Psychom improv, that's what this is. Um, but musical improv, I'm not very good at. Um, and like rappers, like freestyle, freestyle mm. rapping, like that, that is a very specific skill. So like mm, what is going understand. on in the- It blows me away. Yeah. Freestyle rap. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible. That's okay. Else. So what is really, really cool is all of those parts of the brain that I already talked about, um, activating when, when music is being played, like that, that's mm -hmm. all happening. But there's one part of the brain that actually- has less activity when someone is improvising. And it's a part of your prefrontal cortex that's essentially responsible for like self-awareness and self-monitoring and like, mm. you know, and that, that pretty much shuts down when you're really getting into like a freestyle rap or like musical mm. improv. And like, yeah. this is, this is a lot of studies use this as a model of creative genius, because this is essentially the sort of situation where like music is such a complicated thing. And when people are like improv, like making new music, they're making these novel associations, these new things, these essentially brand new ideas. Mm. And, and so people use this to kind of monitor what, what creative thinking and creative genius looks like. And, and when it's happening, this area of the brain that, yeah, it, it monitors self, like it shuts down. And so like people talk about, you know, genius coming from outside of you or mm. getting into that flow state, right. Where you're, yeah. you're totally not aware of anything else you're just yeah. in the task that you're doing and you like you can get into flow in lots of activities but in music improv I don't know Matt you can talk about how does it feel when you're when you're improvising music or it James sounds, if you know feel free to weigh in as well I, don't I know get the same like if I'm is. getting into a like I get the same feeling if I'm doing an improv solo as I do if I'm writing a song and I like really get in the groove of it and I can start to like hear something really come together, like you sit down and smash it all out in one session rather than chipping it away mm -hmm. at it over ages. It sounds mm -hmm. really wanky, but it's kind of like, you know, you're not writing the music. You're just a vessel and the universe is just letting this Dude. stuff flow through you. You just need to mm. like was, let go yeah. of yourself and just be completely submissive to the, to the tune and just try to get it out there. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was just going to say, I watched an interview with uh, um, Jack White once and he was basically saying the same thing he said that when you're in that creation zone like you're just the conduit you know like you're not in control you're just the vessel like you said pretty much mm -hmm. it goes through you i feel that i feel that a lot like i've sat mm -hmm. and tr and tried to bang out lyrics or chord progressions for hours and got nowhere and then within 10 minutes i've written some of the best songs i've ever written because oh, yeah. like the inhibition is gone mm -hmm. like there's no there's no fear of judgment or there's no fear of anything really mm -hmm. you just and you're not thinking about yourself you're not thinking about what you're doing the next day you're just playing and i think that's that verges on the philosophical as well like just the magic no, of but it you know, exactly you know, like and this is the know. bridge between neuroscience and and the philosophy right and the mm. whole you know how mm. how it feels is that these these brain imaging studies have have shown that the part of your brain literally like you were saying the part of your brain responsible for like 
monitoring yourself or checking yourself, you know, that that's turned off and you're, you're just yeah. letting the music flow out, man. But like, that's actually what happens. Like yeah. that, you know, that's, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Explainable wow. um, by science yeah. because neuroscience is cool. I'll just neuroscience shout that from is the cool. rooftop. Yeah. <laughs> who was that? Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> um, okay. One more cool little fun mm. tidbit about improvising as music um and improv this one's specifically about improvising together so they looked at like a group of singers that like improvise together and like you know or like jazz musicians do this thing called trading fours where you yeah. like you know mm-hmm. do you want to explain that matt you it's just like yeah. a call and response type thing where one person plays um four bars of some kind of music and then the, oh well, not some kind of music they play four bars of a solo and then another person plays another four bars of a solo and they do like a back and forth, like having a musical Mm. conversation. Yeah. The levels of oxytocin when singers improvise together raises quite significantly compared to um, when they're they're just kind of singing by themselves sort of thing and Mm. not... Or singing a like set tune. It's it's specifically improvising and it's specifically improvising together. And so oxytormone. Wow, no, oxytocin <laughs> is a hormone. I just combined that sentence into one word. Oxytormone. Uh, oxytocin. <laughs> if you don't know, it's a hormone and a, a neuropeptide that's generally associated with like it's like the love hormone, right? It's associated with feelings of trust, of relationship building, and mm. and so when you when you engage in this like group musical improvisation levels of that that you know hormone skyrocket how wholesome is that that's amazing i i i love hearing the scientific explanation behind that because i mean you're you're talking specifically about improvisation but i think um it's a uh, that's apt to any kind of creation, uh, like mm. artistic creation, mm. because it like it takes a certain uh, vulnerability to mm. uh, create yeah. something, especially with other people around. And when yeah, you're in that space, and true. you and you can trust, like if you, I've I've been fortunate enough to jam, either playing drums or guitar or singing with other musicians, and like when you're. Mm. When you're in that space together and you're vibing, it, it is magic. Like there's a magic to when you're by yourself, but when you're with other people, it's is uh, kind of like a bonding experience. There as really, well. you is. know, it's a it's a relationship that you can't mm-hmm. really um, explain yeah. to other other people. As well, but it's all creativity. Well, it's because, we, we can, yeah, yeah, your oxytocin levels. So it's the same hormone that's like helps you know mothers and babies. Like it's it's raised after childbirth to help mothers bond to their babies and stuff, mm-hmm. and babies oh. bond to their mothers, and you know, mm. yeah. Jamming mm. together with your buds is going to do the same the same thing and make yeah. you you know wow love isn't man. that it's just love. yeah no that's yeah. awesome <laughs> so yeah that's that's what I've got on music and the brain um I could talk for hours and hours and there's there's so much more if you like dive mm. out in there but... if uh, before we um introduce the song I just want to uh, spit out one more one more little thing relating to what oh, we were just go. talking about it's spit a it quote right from out. a um I can't remember who it's by it was some um jazz musician i heard it from one of my mentors back in the day um they were someone asked this jazz musician i think it was like herbie hancock or something like what's what's the way to like always get the best um the best solo how do you improvise so well and Mm. he said well the first thing you need to do is you need to learn all of your scales um, you need to learn them like backwards and forwards, inside and out. Then you need to learn all of the modes. You need to figure out all of the chord progressions for all of the jazz standards. You need to learn them all by heart, be able to play them in every single key. Then once you've done all that, you just forget all that shit and just play. 
Nice. Yeah. So you've handled the motor, you've handled the memory, you've handled the auditory, you're doing everything. Yeah. And then, because you need those skills to be able to You create, need that muscle memory go. there. But then <laughs> as soon as you've got all that down, just forget everything and just, you just fucking cool. play and just let, I, and I let really the emotional like side yeah. overtake. Yeah. That's a great quote, Matt, because it, it very much highlights exactly what we've been talking about. Because, you know, yeah, you've got to have those those motor skills and the everything and then just just shut off that part of your brain and let the music flow through you absolutely which i think james is about to do for us right now is just mm-hmm. let the music flow through um we're going to be oh. treated to a lovely cat's eye parish song which is gonna like i just said light up all the areas of your brain james so. what are you gonna play what are you gonna do <laughs> tell us about it um thank you guys i'm gonna play a song called uh, the worst of times this was um i put <laughs> out an ep yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 meant to be kind of like hopeful and nice, but yeah, I can see how you get there. But um, yeah, I put out I I put out no. five songs last year, and this is um one off that. And yeah, I thought I thought I'd play it for you now. Awesome! Fuck yes! Cool. All right, here we go.
literal Woo! chills. Like Aww. that whole time. Like <laughs> oh, I'm not even making you. this up. Oh, it's thank just, you so much, guys. Oh, you know, you're <laughs> the definitely in the that camp song of, of are immaculate. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, mate. you're definitely in the camp of musicians that can elicit that emotional response because I'm, oh I'm feeling emotions right now. I'm and you, like I'm you were so saying, it's bad. meant to be hopeful. I suddenly feel hopeful about oh, you know, do you? Oh, the good. rest of my That's life, maybe not the rest of my life, but I, you know. <laughs> At so least you said you wrote just, that before 2020? <laughs> Yeah, I did. <laughs> Weird times, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Worse. No. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank um, you so much, guys. Thank you for um, letting me play that. That was a real treat. Cheers. No, that was that was a treat for us as well. Yeah, Thank you no. so much. Thank you for um, coming on and sharing it with us. Oh, my yeah. absolute pleasure. Cheers. But before we get rid of you, we've got one more thing to do. And that is, mm-hmm. as always, if you haven't listened to the show before, we tackle a listener question at the end of every show. Just a quick little question that's been emailed in by one of our listeners that I'm going to do mm-hmm. my best to answer. Um, and today we have a question sent in by Nick. And the question is, can dogs see in the dark? Uh, oh. Which short answer, yes. Oh. Um, not oh, as well oh. as some animals, not as well as like cats or, or some nocturnal animals, but they can act, they can see in light five times darker than humans. Um, they have dark vision up to 120 wow. feet. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe 60 feet. Like I wouldn't say superior dark vision, <sighs> um, but just, just regular <laughs> dark vision. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's three main reasons why, why dogs can see, we'll say just like better in the dark than humans can. So mm. number one, they have more photoreceptors. So your photoreceptors are the, the, the cells essentially that sit in your retina, which is like that sheet at the back of your eye. So when photons, which, you know, the little bits of light come in, mm. they have to activate a photoreceptor for that signal to then make it to your brain and for your brain to be like, oh, I see light, you know? Um, so rods are the specific type of one. So there's rods and cones. Cones are more color vision. Rods is more light sensitivity. And dogs have heaps more rods than than humans do. Um, So they, you know, so there's more more chances that a photon is going to hit a receptor when it hits the eye. So therefore they're more sensitive. Is that where the idea of mm-hmm. dogs only seeing in black and white or being colorblind comes from as well? Because they have less cones I and more rods? I could do a, no, nah, I could do a whole episode on dog color vision. Essentially dogs, like the long, long story short, dogs are dichromatic. So they only have two different types of cones, similar to like red, green, colorblind people who are dichromatic. So they don't see mm. the world in black and white, but they see the world in shades of like blues and yellows. So okay. they see less colors. And like the mantis shrimp has like 12 different types of cones. Right. So it can see like huge amounts of colors. Mm. So that's a very complicated thing but just in terms of like sensitivity to light mm. they have more rods so okay. they they have more chance of picking up photons they also have bigger wow. pupils which is like the slit at the front of your eye that lets light in so you've mm. got a bigger hole for light to come in you've got more chance for that light to actually hit a receptor because there's more receptors mm. and then there's a third reason which is really cool and most Ooh. animals that can see in the dark and nocturnal animals they have this this extra thing that that human eyes don't have it's called a tapetum lucidum and it's like it's essentially a mirror at the back of their eyes. So it's like this sheet that sits kind of behind the retina and it's got these little like crystalline structures in it and it reflects the light. So if the light happens to miss a receptor, it'll hit this tapetum lucidum, it'll hit this mirror and it'll reflect back out and it essentially then has a second chance to hit a receptor on its way out, right? Ah. So there's more chance. Yeah, they, essentially the light gets a second shot at being absorbed. Is that and that's why, why like, animals... you know how... Yeah, you, you yeah, say Yeah, yeah, right? why... No, oh, I was going to say, like, you know, how animal eyes glow. 
and how like, you know, you, you there's the stereotypical you're in a forest in the middle of the night and you see these glowing orbs and you're like, mm. oh, it's shit. It's an animal. It's going to eat me. Um, like, because human eyes don't do that, right? Yeah. But animal eyes do. Like dogs, cats, um, if you take a photo of them with the flash on, you just see that like yeah. reflectiveness or it's like through headlights exactly. of your car. Yep. Mm. Um, and even just like, you know, in standard situations, the wow. ambient light, yeah, comes and then it gets like reflected back out. And obviously things like a flash, like a camera, there's going to be so mm. much light that it's not all going to get absorbed. And the stuff that doesn't get absorbed comes back out and it looks like they're glowing, which is why, yeah, like humans can get that red eye effect when you take a photo of them because we don't have that. Ask, so when it's yeah. mm, red yeah, eye is like the blood why, vessels. Yeah. So behind oh, really? the retina. Shit, yeah. So metal. we have... Blood vessels. <laughs> so oh if a camera, yeah, if you get that red eye sensation, it's because the light is actually shining all the way through the eye and illuminating the blood vessels at the back of your eye. Whereas <laughs> cats and dogs and stuff, it's actually because they've got that mirror in between. They don't mm. get the red reflection. They can have slightly different colored reflections because different animals, their tapetum lucidum is made of different materials. So some people, some people, sorry, some animals, it can look more green or more blue or whatever, but yeah, they actually have like mirrors in their eyeballs, which wow. that blew my mind. I didn't Man. know that. I thought that was I, so I, cool. I, did, I didn't know that either. So with humans, <laughs> it's basically either the Excuse blood me. vessels or because somebody's farted on your pillow. Yes. Is that kind of it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Good to know. Science. <laughs> Science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I so, had no idea. you know. Cool. Yeah, that's so. Yes, dogs can see in the dark um, better than humans, and and that's why Is it five times, um, five times better, five times better. Yeah, and by so when we say five times better, that's measured by experiments where you have a, a level of light, and then you just keep decreasing the amount of light and see, you know, at what point people slash different animals stop being able to see and recognize stuff, and 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 dogs, mm. it's yeah, in light that's five times darker than humans, they can still. Wow. Make out what's going on in the world oh, around you, them, which is. Do you know where? Do you know where cats are? Because they're classically known as the night stalkers. Yeah, you know, cats. But... I can't remember the exact amount it was. I know it was better than dogs, though. Um, mm, yeah, cats cool. were better that's, than dogs. That's, that's crazy! Wow, animals yeah. are amazing. Animals are yeah. so so cool. Um, mm. So yeah, that that answers. Hopefully, that answers your uh, listener question about dogs and that wraps up our episode today i think i hope you guys have yeah. enjoyed yourself james i hope you've enjoyed yourself oh, um if, i've had a marvelous yeah. time yeah, yeah thank you so yeah. much for coming on mate oh my goodness thank you so much for having me <laughs> no <laughs> and, um, it's been an absolute very... delight and if our listeners have loved the vibes that you've been putting out as much as we have where can they find you what can they what can they look for Oh, I'm, I'm on pretty much everything. Just cat side parish. Like cat side, one word. Um, parish, one word. If you can split that up into two, that's impressive. But um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Instagrams, Facebooks, YouTubes, whatever you've got, I'm pretty much there. Yeah, so, we'll chuck all yeah. of the links down in the description. Oh, yeah. Lovely, but, thank you. And remember, you can also find us, follow us on social media. If you don't already, we are at Curiosity Rat on Twitter and Insta or Curiosity Kill the Rat on Facebook. Um, give us a like, give us a cheeky listen. And if you yourself have a listener question that has, you know, been burning your curiosity and you are too lazy to Google it, but you're not too lazy to send me an email, um, <laughs> by all means, chuck us an email, curiosityrat at gmail.com. Hey, we got um, it right this time. I know. For once, I didn't say the wrong email address. Uh, which is impressive. If you're regular listeners of the show, you would know how much Matt and I struggle with that every episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, and with that, guys, hope you enjoyed listening. Hope to catch you next Peace time. Out. See Thank ya. you again. Much love, everyone. God bless.
curiosity. Kill the rat.